Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Whatever life holds in store for me, I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift, my curse. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. More pictures of Spider-Man as we are diving in here on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, the first of the lot, 2002 Spider-Man. That's right. Everything is Spider-Man here and everything is super. I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by the man who shoots webs from his hands. Kevin Mahadeo sounds kind of hot. Uh, it's, a, it's definitely sticky, that's for sure. Oh! <laughs> uh, Josh, I also no! love how committed you are to the Norman Osborn voice, that even when you're saying pictures for Spider-Man, you still set it as Norman we'll Osborn. We'll meet again, <laughs> other other man. man. Oh, you gotta get that Jay Jonah. You gotta get that, like, we need no, more pictures no. of Spider-Man. Ham. I'll leave it to you. I'll go you, a ham, you a Christmas it. ham. <laughs> you could do your your J.K. Mahadeo. Uh, I will be I will be just storming Norman all the way through this podcast. Out, am I? Uh, the listeners will love that if we just continuously talk in very specific manners of speaking. <laughs> oh my God, Kevin! Let me tell you what's up. So first of all, for those who are like, "Whoa!" So they're talking about Sam Raimi's Spider Man. I'll be like, hey, you missed podcasts, friend, because we've been telling you for a couple weeks now that we're going to be talking about Spider-Man for for a minute here on Everything is Super. This is our destination post MCU rewatch. We'll still do an MCU stuff when there's MCU stuff to talk about, including WandaVision coming up. Uh, We've got a date on that, by the way, mid-January. At long last. So we'll definitely be able to... Uh, unfortunately, Kevin, I think that like uh, we'll probably uh, we've got room. Not only do we have room for Venom, we may need Venom. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> God. We're gonna keep a weekly. So just FYI, uh, I do think that that's probably on the menu, folks. Uh, so we're talking Spider Man. We're talking about all the Spider Man movies that ever have been. Uh, at least the you know maybe not all of them. I don't know if there's like TV movies that we're missing, but we're talking about the live action Sam Raimi Spider Man's. We're going to talk about the Mark Webb, Andrew Garfield starring Spider-Man duology. We're going to talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, 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 yes. And, I think, and, then, I think, and then I think we've got to talk about Venom. I think it's possible we're going to have to talk about Venom. Uh, so we're doing that. We're starting here with Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man, a 2002 production coming out two years after the first X-Men movie. We're in a, a new wave of of Marvel superheroes returning to the big screens right around the time that Fox is trotting out Fantastic Four. I think uh, there's probably a a Ghost Rider lurking around the bend somewhere <laughs> around here with a certain Nicolas Cage head on fire. I feel like that shitty ass Daredevil movie is right around Our here as well. Man. With you're, listen, you're, you're listening some some just 
quality, quality films. We are in we are in a certain era here as we are swinging through Spider Man and Kevin watching this movie earlier this week, which I did live in the Poster Recaps Patron Discord, not as a video, but I was like live blogging effectively my reactions to the movie with a bunch of the members of the Poster Recaps Patron community, and it was a blast. Uh, I went on a ride with this. This took me all the way back to 2002. Uh, uh, junior, uh, the, was a junior or a senior in high school? Junior in high school. Yeah, I think we were junior. I, I in believe. 05, we would have been juniors. 2000, 2002 junior in high school. Uh, so 11th grade. Uh, and man, it reminded me of like first dates in Spider Man. The, 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 oh, a lot of feelings, a lot of feelings as I watched this wildly uneven movie unfold in front of my eyes for the first time in a very long time, Kevin. It, this movie, I, I had seen it recently, um, so it was it was still a little bit fresh for me, but even re-watching it, like, wow. I mean, look, listen, here's the thing. Before anyone starts getting mad at me, I enjoyed watching every minute of this movie. I had so much fun this, this going movie's back and so watching much this fun. movie. But it's not great. <laughs> like, no, it's it's fantastic. It's, it's it's amazing. Talk about like to me, it's so weird because like I feel like this movie is so dated is a wrong word, but it so feels of the time. Like it feels of two thousand two. Yes. Like like do movies even have opening credits anymore? First of all, right? Like this movie kicks off with opening credits. So I'm like, is this a thing that even happens? Which yeah, and as they were drawing on, it's like, oh, we're gonna be here for four minutes. All yeah, right, I'm skipping it. I'm skipping ahead. It's weird. So like, there's that. There's like something about the production quality that's obviously changed. Like we're doing Mando as well, you know, on our other uh, on our other show, and we're talking yeah, about podcasting about the Mandalorian. Yeah, yes, and we're talking about the high production value of that. And compared to like this, it looks like the set pieces are just not. Great. You mean to tell me that movies look different 18 years ago? Oh, oh, oh. I mean, like, I do think part of the reason they look like this is because um, Willem Dafoe just chewed every bit of scenery he was ever showing up on. So, Kevin, you, we have to give some some credence and respect to the fact that I hate to say it, brother, brother, but we're we're old. <laughs> we're old. This is this movie came out basically two decades ago. It did. It did. 20, it, 20 years almost and 18 years we we have like a, a whole teenage high school <laughs> like from from infancy to high school life cycle occurred between when we saw this movie in theaters and right now we're ancient so like if you're gonna say that like yeah it looks really old like of course it does it's two decades ago <laughs> i guess that's fair but it just two decades there's just something about the, the the way it's done i feel like it's so of the time like even the tone i guess like right looking looking past to like we're old and it looks old like the tone of the movie feels very like clearly i mean beyond the danny elfman score like influence i think by the designs of um the tim burton batman movies there's something about the the way the world is shot and looks at times that New York feels Gotham esque. Um, the thing the things where they're like in the giant spider web. Like I know that Spider Man, but it just feels something about it. Just feels Burton Batmany and the the drama. Like this. Oh man, talk about like of the time. Talk about of the early two thousands. The drama and like emotional uh, aspects of this story are so heightened which was like i feel like yeah it was all about the emo at that time like my chemical romance and evanescence is blasting all over the radio waves like it feels absolutely of the time period that this takes place in i guess like it's so weird uh that was my biggest like 
thing that I noticed when watching it this time. It made me feel like a high schooler again, which was a hilarious experience. That's a terrible, uh, terrible thing. I don't want to feel like that at all. I don't want to. <laughs> it was, it was, it was hilarious to like relocate myself. Uh, as like, like I remember exactly who I had a crush on. I remember exactly who I, who I, I believe I was dating at the time. I remember how that didn't go great. I remember all of the angst that I felt there. All of the will they, won't they, Peter MJ stuff. <laughs> I, rem- I remember stuff. all of it. And I remember like seeing this movie with, with really close friends of mine who I'm still really tight with today. And I remember copying so much of the dialogue and incorporating that into my life, not just with them, but with so many other friends along the way who this movie was like a hallmark movie for, including you. Like how many times have you and I with like some of our friends that we've made in this industry over the years, We'll just like shout, "Ow, am I?" God's like, Spider-Man. Norm- like it's constant. All the Normanisms. Constant. constant. All the Normanisms. This is so uh, the the great uh, the great patron Riley, uh, who is the the essayist, uh, loves to write a novel for his feedback, <laughs> and so it becomes our duty to distill the novel into something either readable or let's just summarize the essence. Riley was one of my buddies watching this movie the other day. And Riley basically said, like, look, I I don't care. This is like a perfect movie for me. I cannot take off my nostalgia glasses. Uh, I saw this movie at a very specific time. Riley saw this movie when he was like single ditch, like really young. Oh, God, we're old. Uh, was, <laughs> That's what I tried to tell you, Kevin. Uh, we're old. Uh, and so, and so Riley was like, I can't, I can't look at this movie any other way. And, and so neither, neither can I really, um, because if I were to like completely divorce myself of like the feelings that I have for this movie because of like who I was when I encountered it the first time, I think I would end up like rating this much lower. I think that there would be a lot that I'd be making fun of. There'd be things that like don't hold up that I would like be really like getting out here and be like, that's problematic. But like there is there is a feeling of like warm fuzziness that comes from this movie uh, that just made me feel great watching it. And it. But it took me a minute to like there is a whiplash quality and not the kind that wants its bird or the kind that J. Jonah Jameson is into uh, that comes from like segueing into the 2002 era superhero uh, space from where we've been. Over the last several weeks, Kevin, which is our modern moment, which is dominated by the Infinity Saga and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is of such a quality, even when it's shitty, it's, you know, rarely shitty. And when it is like it like shitty feels like a, an extreme way to describe some of the the whiffs uh, from that universe. Um, so to like go back to this, it's just very different. It's like in its own way, it's like more innocent in its own way. It's still it's like a movie like this exists and because of it, Far From Home and Homecoming can exist. You know, like this is this movie's existence is the reason why we don't need to relitigate the Peter Parker origin story when we get there uh, to, to Homecoming. I think also because like they beat it to death in the amazing duology, which we'll talk I about. I mean, tell that, tell um, that to Batman and his multiple dead parents every incarnation. But sure, yeah. <laughs> but that's a totally different company and they, they've learned all the wrong lessons. Yep. Uh, and, and I mean, they're uh, still I stuck in this time period, one might say. I said it's a you don't have to. Uh, and, and like, I, I think like, yeah, like people know radioactive spider bites Peter Parker. Uh, if you're a Spider-Man fan at all, you, you know that, you know it from comics, you know it from cartoons, you know it from video games. But I think that there is, even if the video game industry is, you know, is the big kahuna, I think that like culturally, in terms of cultural impact, 
it's a it's a movie, you know, and I think that the films produced by Sam Raimi, directed by Sam Raimi, produced by Sony, starring Toby Maguire, going over the origin story specifically in this movie. A lot of heavy lifting happens here that makes it possible for us to get future Spider-Man stories uh, that are that are dealing with a lot of this stuff much more artfully. Um, so is it rough around the edges? Yeah. Does the Green Goblin wear a mask that doesn't have a moving face at all and it's ridiculous and he looks like Goldar's brother? Absolutely. Uh, is it incredible and wonderful to behold? I do believe so. Uh, but I, I have no idea what this movie feels like if you've got nothing attached to it. If you're just encountering it in the wild right now for the first time, I don't know what that's like for you. I have no idea. I can't even guess. I mean, certainly, right? Like, look, uh, yes, this movie has a lot of nostalgia attached to it. I saw it with a lot of friends. I, I think I've said it before on the podcast. I went into this movie, saw it with one group of friends, walked out of the theater, saw my other group of friends in line to get into the next showing and just got back in line with them to go into it. I worked at the movie theater, so I was allowed to do that. I didn't just like, sure. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't just like steal my way into movies. Um, and so like, th- th- and this movie, at the time, I remember this in X-Men. I was so excited, and, and there was, like, a standard here that it was being set for what superhero movies could be, because we were so used to, like, at this point, the Batman and Robins, you know? Like, we, there, there was something else happening here, and we were really excited and pumped about it. And nostalgia-wise, yeah, certainly. There, there, there is a way that you can look at it, and you can acknowledge the feelings you had, but... And, and actually, before I go to the but, and... Yeah, it's insane to me. We cannot, we cannot compare these movies to the rest of the MCU. It's impossible. It's impossible to do that. It wouldn't be right to do that. The way I'm looking at these films is in a bubble. Unfortunately, the Spider-Man movies of the MCU exist in this bubble because I'm looking in the context of the rest of these movies. The same way I look at the MCU as an MCU film, I'm not comparing it to Shawshank Redemption. Um, I'm comparing these movies to each other. And my rating, I do think, is fair. It's not going to be a perfect film because it's not a perfect film. But I think that's okay. I think as viewers and as people who, who watch this stuff, I think we're allowed to like something that's not good. I do think we should some, sometimes acknowledge that fact. Like for me, I, 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 you know, I don't know if I've talked about it here, but if you know me, I'm very vocal about the fact that I think Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 is a goddamn <laughs> incredible film. Like I've, You love the Twilight I love movies, that movie. Like they, <laughs> they entertain me so much. But I can objectively I say... I am really looking forward to you holding my hand oh through gosh. the Twilight it's gonna saga be great. at some point It's going to be great. Everything is, everything is sparkling is going to be crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to trash a lot of it, but I enjoyed watching it once you disatta- d- disattach yourself, right? Like, to understand that you can, you can acknowledge these films are bad. They're trash films, but you enjoyed what was happening on screen. You enjoyed every moment of... Um, is Spider-Man bad or trash, though? No, I'm talking about, like the context of understanding what you're watching. And I think you can, you yes. can watch this and, and this is not a trash movie. This is not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. It's a highly entertaining. But you said movie. like, if it's not a good movie, but Spider-Man's a good movie at the very least objectively, right? It's good. It has, it has a lot of things, right? And this is for me again, like with my, with my uh, context existing now. And like, I love Sam Raimi, but like, there are things that are in this movie that like, I was like, what's happening here? Like, for, <laughs> for example, you talked about Josh, you talked about the fact that this movie took you back to high school right it was like our 30 something year old selves went back to high school unfortunately that's also that's also what not freaky friday that's what happened here where they cast 30 year old toby mcguire (laughs) and 30 year old Kristen dunce as uh you know i don't know if they were 30 but they were older and no they're not you look at it especially when compared to uh you know even andrew garfield to an extent but especially compared to tom holland like 
They, they, Toby McGuire, I believe, is 27 as high school age. Peter he Parker. looks it. He don't look yeah. like he's 16, 18 as as the as the movie is probably positing. Um, but like, so that that type of stuff. Kirsten is obviously- Dunst is 20. Kirsten Dunst is 20, I believe, when uh, when this comes out. And James Franco is. Let's see. Uh, James Franco is. Uh, I believe uh, he's 24. 24. So we got a spread going here, but they all look yeah, like spread. adults. And I think, and yeah, <laughs> and then you have, of course, uh, who's supposed to be 18 year old or so Peter Parker with 75 year old Aunt May and Uncle Ben, at which point you you could just, just say they're his grandparents. It's, it's bananas. And I understand, <laughs> and I understand they were trying to match they were trying to match the comics and i will say this casting to mcguire possible that peter parker was left back yeah the guy who who invented so many things is supposed to be a super genius who's reading norman osborne's papers has got left back i don't think so maybe he's just bad at tests (laughs) i don't know but like dude come on like when you look at this stuff right like it matches the comic and i will say that when you look at the spider-man movie yeah, we talked about this last right. week. <laughs> like Toby Maguire looks like the the, the seventy year old Peter Parker from the from the nineteen sixties comic, and Aunt May looks like Aunt May. It's really weird, yeah. but I do think, and as we're going through this, it occurs to me like Toby in this era, I do think embodies the nineteen sixties version of these characters in this comic, especially in the in the in the look and feel of it. Like the same way when people think of Christopher Reeve, I think Chris, Christopher uh, Reeve exhibits the the silver age superman to a t like not physically but how he's portrayed how it looks george Re- george reeves was very golden age um you know henry cavill is a very modern ish superman in his style i think that's what's happening here is that they really pulled from the from the older comics because you look at peter parker now and he he doesn't he doesn't look like that nothing against toby mcguire but toby mcguire like looks like a dork like you're just like that is a dork right there whereas like peter parker now is more he plays it really well he does, he does. he's like he's very very uh goober yes, he's, he's a huge goober not and not an accident right not an and accident. i think that's what they were doing for peter and i and it's it's again it, it's it's something that fits the time and i will say for for as much as i'm laughing about toby mcguire's age i think the physical stuff how he looks is, is there in terms of like the past but i also think Writing wise, I think he's a very, very strong Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I think his dialogue is very strong. His quips are on point. I think the biggest issue that people have had in modern day with Tobey Maguire is, like I said, he looks like a giant goober. But also there's something about his voice. I think he's too soft spoken in a way to be Spider-Man as we as we know him. Like he delivers lines and he he almost like he nails the, the, the tone. He n- nails the like pitch everything. Well, not pitch, but everything but there's something about his specific voice that i do think is, is where people bump against Tobey Maguire, unfortunately but you look at other stuff and i do think he's such a strong spider-man um in in the way he does things the ending fight scene where his battle against green Goblin is such a great showcase of him as spider-man possibly one of the best showcases of spider-man in everything we are going to be seeing and have seen um but there wow. is just something different and off about it um and i think that's where it stems from but that's that's not even like and that's the little stuff right then there's other things that 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 stick out to me about this movie dude um like here's a great example they just tell us that peter parker and harry are friends like this is the thing that movies do all the time and did all the time and it, it, it sticks out to me like as a person who's obviously gets on his like you know little soapbox about writing 
but they always just tell us like oh they're really great friends they're like best friends and it's just like are they most of the time they seem to not like each other and like harry sticks up for him like once maybe that doesn't feel familiar at all no no it doesn't because we <laughs> look at look at what we're doing here look at what we're doing look at this, here look at us like, look at us <laughs> I just feel like that's they do that the same thing with Norman at the end where he's just like you're like you know you've been like a son to me and it's just like has he like there's just those little things that stick out and I've been like a father to you you and it's be a son to me now (laughs) and so for all of that though then we have your Willem Dafoe thank God for you Peter thank God for you. Who, of course, like that part of it is is amazing. So you know, there's come on, we you, you can't ignore the bad and just feel like this movie's perfection. <laughs> no, of course it's not perfection. It's definitely not perfection. Um, but God, it was fun. It was fun. I think a comment that I made while I was watching it was like, we have to acknowledge that this is a Power Rangers movie, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, it's all right. It's okay. It's fine that it's a Power Rangers movie. It's the best Power Rangers movie that there's ever How been and ever will be. How dare you insult Mighty Morphin uh, Power Rangers? <laughs> I've I've been informed that uh, it doesn't hold up. Great. It does not. It's uh, not. It's not good. <laughs> uh, but I will. I would like to go back and uh, watch uh, the show at least uh, to to a certain extent. I've got some incentive to do that. <laughs> That's a conversation for another time, Kevin. Um, but like there is there is a cheese factor to this. But I th- and and I. I think that that's really baked into Sam Raimi as a as a filmmaker. 100%. There are so many great signature Sam Raimi moments in this. Um who if you if you don't know his 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 uh his catalog at all, um if you've never seen Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, I actually haven't seen Dark Man and I'd really like I to. I have, it's great. Um you know, there's a there there's just a there is like a, a, a cheesiness, like a, a, a deliberateness to the cheese factor uh, that he's into um, with like lots of like strange POV stuff, uh, like an abundance of of like 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 an overabundance of certain flourishes. Like I'm thinking of when uh, when Peter gets into the ring with bones. I, was, we, I can't believe we haven't talked about bones also. I got you for three minutes. Oh, play three time. minutes of play time. <laughs> You're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. <laughs> this movie is Macho very Man, entertaining. Like, <laughs> losing his mind as Bonesaw McGraw. Are we sure we don't want to rank him in the villains? Because that's a six. Uh, but uh, he 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 kicks him. Uh, and then he kicks him again. Yes. And then he kicks him again. And then he kicks him again. And then he thinks it's done. And then he kicks him again. And then he thinks it's done. And then he kicks him again. <laughs> and I believe you think it's done there. And then he kicks him one more time. And then Bonesaw falls over. And like the camera keeps cutting back. And it's all of like this, like the same shot of him just like, it's from like Bonesaw's POV, but not quite. It's like a warped perspective as the as the flying kick is just like coming at you. Uh, and it, it is such a Raimiism. And I know that there's going to be a, a much better example in Spider-Man 2 uh, with Dr. Octopus coming up, which will be really fun to, to, to revisit. Um, but there's just a few moments like that in this, like even like Green Goblin's demise of as the glider is coming towards him. And then we just cut to Willem Dafoe oh. just going, oh, you know, and then it slams into him. Like there is there is this deliberate cheese factor to this film that I think like at the time, like this is you know, this is two years after X-Men where they had to wear the black spandex because mm-hmm. they like didn't 
either have approval or the guts to, to, you know, there wasn't the precedent to like go full, full color yet. Uh, to like really go full comic book. So I think like there's this idea that like Spider Man is really comic booky, this movie. Uh, like we're doing like, we're doing a really comic booky thing. Um, and like, I think that there's validity to that. And I think that there's ways in which that succeeds. Uh, but it's, it's very, it's very hammy. And, and I think that that's by design and whether or not that, that registers well for people is like a total, your mileage may vary type of situation. That's valid too. Um, but I think as far as like executing on a vision, this first one, especially, and I suspect we'll say the same about the next one and, and to a much lesser degree, the third one, um, that I think like it's executing a vision pretty close to the way that Raimi seems to want it to go. I mean, yes. And I'm not. Here's the thing, though, dude, I haven't trashed any of that stuff like the cheese stuff, I think, is is entertaining as hell. Like, I, I again, Willem Dafoe, I will never besmirch him. Uh, well, maybe a little bit at a certain point, but think about it, hero. Yeah, like he's fantastic. The cheesy stuff is great. Like the bone saw stuff is insane and I'm all for it, which doesn't even touch on the fact, by the way, that like what's amazing about that moment is that they're like proposing that wrestling is real or at the very least the somehow underground midtown Manhattan circuit of wrestling is real. Yeah. Like that's, that's insanity. I'm not even touching on that part. I'm just talking about yeah. plot and structure parts and those things for me stick out, right? Like, like I mentioned, the like the just telling us that Harry and, and, and Peter are best friends, that 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 uh, Norman is like, you know, I'm, I've been like a father to you. The Mary Jane stuff does stick out also to me of just like not problematic, but like, you know, there's issues there. The relationship stuff like for small examples. To, and again, this is me uh, as a kid. I was super into things like this. And I, and I was all about like the trope of the the girl that you're in, you're in love with dating the the the, the shithead uh, jock right and she just needs to see past Joe Magniello Joe Magniello who's great um but like now as an adult like that trope sucks like it's also like a point of order where it's just like you know if Joe Magniello in this is is very much a psych like Flash is a psychopath like he's he's a violent human being and if you like and and, and just a piece of shit in general beyond the, the the beating up Peter Parker and if you're dating someone like that that should say something about the person making that choice as well. So, like, I feel like there's little things there that that get troped in and, and it's whatever. But the one that stuck out to me most, by the way, uh, the two things, actually, for Mary Jane is I forgot she's dating Harry in this movie. She's dating Harry right. for a long part of this movie. And then not yeah. only does she have the moment where she's just like, I'm in love with someone like oh, what? You met him like once and two, two. The big, big point that people talk about in this movie is that upside down kiss, right? Like in the rain, the upside down uh, yeah. romantic kiss. I want to point Super out hot. she is still dating Harry when this happens. Yeah. Yes. Feelings aside about like cheating and whatever, I'm not even going to address that part of it. What does get me though is that this is a plot point in Spider Man 3 that we're going to watch that I distinctly remember. Because she gets furious at Peter for a photo op where he kisses Gwen Stacy very briefly for a photo opportunity, and she's furious at him. And now seeing this scene, I'm just like, yo, you made out, like, made out in the rain. Hard MO. Like, with this dude while you're still with dude, Harry you, Osborne. Like, iconically kissed Spider-Man. Yeah, so, like, there's that. And then also, you know, not to stick up too much for Harry, but, like, in the Thanksgiving scene, which is a great 
great scene. Again, any, oh, anything with Willem Dafoe is good. Uh, when he like gets mad and storms out, right? And um, well, uh, um, uh, Harry is just like, Dad, I wanted you to meet Mary Jane. And he's just like, she's just a gold digger and whatever. She's after your trust fund, right? Harry. And he says, you're wrong about her, Dad. And then he throws in the thing where just like, broom her and then go. And then he leaves down the elevator. And he goes back into the room and Mary Jane's like, thanks for sticking up for me, Harry. And it's just like, he did, though. He did. Like, maybe he didn't get into a yell-out fight after his dad went down the elevator, but he did stick up for you. Like, that did happen. And, like, yes, what Harry said afterwards was was effed up, where he's just like, shut your mouth. Like, and I'm like, mm, nah. But, like, that yeah. stuff, that stuff sticks out to me as just, like, bad writing, and it, like, gets me. So, that's what yeah, I'm talking wobbly. about, the though. Script the really script is really wobbly. super wobbly. So, like, what I'm talking is, about, I'm not talking about the cheese, dude. I'm talking about, like, those things. I get it. I totally get it, yeah. and I don't disagree. You know, <laughs> I I can't fight you on that. The script is wobbly as hell. Uh, like I could I could be like, well, Harry does like basically like when uh, the Green Goblin attacks, he basically just looks out for number one and like, uh, you know, doesn't like push Mary Jane, but like may as well. <laughs> he was trying. <laughs> he got hit in the head by falling debris. <laughs> you know, so like he's not great. Uh, yeah, I'm not even saying but, he's like, great, but yeah. <laughs> you know, so like there's there, like if she wants to kiss Spider-Man, he's Spider-Man, she's dating Harry, like I I pick Spider-Man as well. Yeah. Uh so like, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come after her too hard, but I do I do see your point and I and I and I do agree with it that I think uh script script wise, not the tightest. Uh there's also some things about the movie that uh have always bothered me, have long bothered me, um, both from a writing standpoint and then like the technical stuff. Uh, from the technical side of things, just as an example, it's the moment where Spider-Man's wearing um, the the human spider costume. Human spider. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Great Bruce Campbell cameo as he's going to make in, in all of these. Um, and he climbs the, the wall as he's chasing the guy who killed Uncle Ben. But I guess d- didn't really because it's the Sandman who killed Uncle Ben. We'll talk about God, that yeah. in a couple weeks. We're not there yet. Um, that he climbs the wall. And stands on top of the the water tower and he goes and he spins his web for the first time. And then we cut back to him standing. And it is like the most obvious like video game CGI head that uh, we're like really close up on. And I hate it. And I've, I've always hated it. I saw it immediately the first time I saw it and I've hated it all these years. And I think that there there are a few shots in superhero movie history that I hate more than that one. Uh, and even though, like, I want to love the human spider costume because it's hilarious, it just always triggers me and reminds me of the, I can't believe the audacity of these people. They thought they could get away with this when he just, it's this uncanny valley. It's not even the, the mouth acting. It's the eyes. It's the eyes. You can see it in the eyes as he's wearing a ski mask and he looks ridiculous. What Kevin. a thing looks that ridiculous. you're. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I hate it. That's I such a weird so thing much. to call out. But considering all the crap I just called out, uh, I hate it enough. so much. But then, like, he goes and he chases the guy down and, like, he basically just lets this guy die. And, like, yeah. it's sort of like yeah. he, like, he's like, he stands out over the side and he's looking at him. And, like, you never get the sense that he ever really feels bad about this, which doesn't feel very Spider Man ish, right? Like, I, I, I do think, um, you know, th- there is a part of Spider Man, the mythos, that doesn't really address that at all either. Like, it's more about, like, his actions and consequences, right? This is how he learns the responsibility, which also, side note, when this movie starts off and it's just like, uh, this is a story about a girl. Oh yeah, and I'm just like, no, you wanna it's know, you want to know who I, <laughs> you want to know who I am? You sure you want to know? Like, 
I, that's another thing. Like this, if it's a Spider-Man story, it's not about a girl. It's about responsibility. That's what Spider-Man's about. But whatever. Um, you know what's nuts though to me? Uh, watching this this time, and I feel like this is also like I'm older and look at the world differently. Is that scene like the quintessential Spider-Man moment? Right, the decision where he's there with that dude who's just kind of like, "Oh, you get you get a hundred. You're supposed to get three, but you're only in there for a minute." And I'm like, "That's not how fucking math works." But like, mm-hmm. he's that guy screws him. Peter, you know, the the robber comes in, runs past Peter. The guy's just like, "My money." Um, and Peter lets him go. And I'm watching this now, and I'm just like, man, both options suck. Because this guy is a capitalist asshole, so I don't like him because he's screwing Peter out of money. And then, of course, robbery is bad, and straight up murder is worse. So, like, worse. Peter's, like, decisions are just, like, stop a guy who, who he found out was a murderer, or this other asshole. And it's just, like, responsibility. And it's just like, oh. These decisions suck. Like, it's such a weird thing to look at now, and I feel like... Bad options. Right? Like, I feel like that's such a quintessential Spider-Man that I'm just like, ooh, I don't like either of those things, (laughs) which is such a weird thing to, like, look at, but I don't know. I guess I would have stopped him, even though I didn't know he was a murderer yet. I I suppose I would have stopped him. And then maybe like been like to the cops, like, hey, though, that all that money's evidence, so this guy can't get it back. And then he'd be like, no, I don't know. Kevin, let me ask you a really important question. Why did anyone ever bother acting again after Willem Dafoe conquered the the art form as Norman Osborn and and the Green Goblin? Why did anyone ever bother uh, stepping into a role from this moment forward when uh, Willem Dafoe defeated acting? This is this is actually a great transition because after trashing all this stuff, I do want to talk about the things that are that are like legit amazing. And Willem Dafoe is a phenomenal place Willem to start. Willem Dafoe probably turns in the greatest performance in uh, human history. I just... Uh, in, in this. I, I like, he makes this movie, right? Like, he's... <laughs> it's him and, and JK, which we'll get to. But, like, holy crap. Like, even the, like, insane... Like, the insane delivery, the, the craziness in his eyes, him yelling at himself, like, Smeagol in the mirror. Like, there's just so much that he does in this movie and like yes it's overacting yes it's over the top but god damn it if i don't love every second of it as he's just showing the out am i and like so long other man like just all those things and like you know how much i've sacrificed like all those little moments are actually carving up the turkey with the knife right. and after like aunt may has slapped him on the hand as he's just trying to like nub up some sweet potato pie. which is also gross like come on dude don't stick it's, your fingers in the pot. So- well, look, he's having a psychotic break. You can't really blame him. Uh, fin- of course, we haven't even done the finish. It. Finish. It. He's like he's he's over the top Peter, in the best way. Don't tell Harry. Don't tell Harry. Which, by the way, why the fuck not? So, so, like, just, so many great just things. Tell Harry. That's such a ridiculous thing. A science kid, huh? You know, I'm something of a scientist <laughs> myself. Uh. I'll tell you this, Kevin. Uh, if they if they unleash any of the Sam Raimi Spider Man era into um, the MCU Spider Man three, and they don't bring Willem Dafoe along for the ride, I'm going to riot. I'm going to lose my top. Uh, he the worst thing that happens is they kill him in this movie. It's such a it's such a mistake. It's such a grave error. Such a critically bad choice. I mean, that's that's um, a time period though as well, dude. Like I get the villains it. always I do. I get it. I also didn't realize that uh, apparently Willem Dafoe like insisted on like no stunt work. Like he want he, like for other people to do stunt work because like he he felt like 
no one would be able to get like the physical body language, the like the 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 inter- intricacies of playing the Green Goblin if it wasn't I mean, him. I agree with that. Did you see that man in this role? Like, I don't think anyone but, like, else can mimic it, but, that. But like, he's he's wearing a mask that doesn't move at all, <laughs> uh, which I guess is like very Mando. But even Pedro Pascal has like three buddies who help him out. It, it doesn't uh, move, but you can see his eyes when the thing comes up, and you can see his mouth underneath there. You and can you, see his mouth through like you the notice very it too, thin like, like <laughs> <laughs> He lo- he looks like a Power Rangers bad he really guy, does. and he always has. He's like this big naked green Power Rangers bad guy, and it's unbelievable. Uh, he's just he's tremendously fun. He's like very like wiry and crazy, and like sometimes he's like mean crazy, and some sometimes he's scared crazy. Uh, and I I cannot get enough. And I think that this is one of the the most uh indelible bad guy performances in cinema history for me personally like this imprinted on my brain when i saw it as a young man uh and it has like followed me all the way through here to the point kevin that we were like finalizing some of our scores before we came on here and like i just got to commit to it this is this is like this is a perfect this is just a perfect perfect thing for me is willem dafoe as the green goblin again it's very context dependent it is incredibly important to keep that in mind. This is very context dependent. In the context of this movie, what Willem Dafoe does as Norman Osborn needs to be like, we need to be singing more songs about this because, and I think it's a good time to shift into it. We rightly sing the praises of J.K. Simmons's Triple J. Uh, as J. Jonah Jameson, meat! Get you a nice bag of Christmas meat! Uh, like everything about Jason from his very first scene is just tremendous. And there is a reason why no one else has been able to play this character other than J.K. Simmons, yes. at least in live action. Uh, and no one ever should. Uh, this part has been like very much claimed by a specific actor. Uh, and we should talk about that until we're blue in the face. But we need to save. We need to be talking about Storm and Norman as well. Because what Willem Dafoe did is nothing short of miraculous as far as I'm concerned. No, and I don't necessarily disagree with anything you're saying. I think he's phenomenal in this movie. His overacting. It's an incredible comedic performance. Yes, and it fits the tone and style of what they're doing here. Yes. I think he totally worked. My problems, you know, I didn't I didn't give him a perfect score, especially since I am measuring this in context of all the Spider-Man films. To me, you know, like you're, like the Vulture is such a phenomenal villain and he's going to rank at, at six for me. But I, I think that, you know, where Norman loses points is the, 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 the script and the plot and the, the, that, those parts as a villain villain that he unfortunately suffers. I think they could have leaned into other parts of it to really strengthen him as a Spider-Man villain in, in that sense. And I think he would have been a perfect six. Um, but in terms of, you know, in terms of just him and his presence, yeah, he's, he's amazing. But I, I'm not going to give him a perfect score because I'm still looking at him as like a villain for this hero. And there are faults. Um, so he's not perfect. He ain't far from perfect, but he ain't perfect. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, like, look, did like you, like we talked about this character, this performance is imprinted on us in an extremely important way. And I think it'll stay there forever. They should absolutely bring him back. And the only reason they, they shouldn't, or they won't is if I think Willem Dafoe himself says no. Um, which I, I won't, I can't, I can't I won't, go yeah. back to it. Well, his voice I is just too gone. Much, <laughs> I gave too much. To Do you know day. how much he sacrificed? Yeah. Um, Do you have any idea what I've done? Yeah. So like, um, that's my stance there, but you know, uh, we can get into the, the ratings when we do because there's oh, so I pray, much great. I pray to God. Uh, th- thank God for you, Peter. Uh, I just, <laughs> thank God for you, I'm, Peter. <laughs> I'm so hopeful that we get to see him again. Yeah. Cause it would be great. I uh, way prefer him than Electro. That's for sure. 
Um, yeah, I just need, I need, I need, I need more. I need more. It's been so long. More. We haven't had it I in so long. By the time this happens oh, in like man. 2022, it would have been oh, 20 years. I need more Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn. He just kills me. But I do, he gets me, you know? I do want to shift over because like, you know, as you said, we should sing these praises here. And like, you said it, dude. J.K. Simmons is so good as J. Jonah Jameson. And I'm not even like, just a lot. His line delivery is phenomenal. His voice is great. But there's also the intricacies in this character that I really love. And this is where I think the parts of the script come through in, in a great way. Um, I, I, I love I, I love his line about like, you know, that's slander. And it's just like, I resent that. If it's spoken, it's slander. If it's written, it's libel. Like, that's such a great, great moment. Right. But I think the standout moment for me about like, talk about a thing that nails who J. Jonah Jameson truly is, is when Green Goblin attacks and he comes in through, you know, the window and he grabs J. Jonah Jameson and is like, who takes the pictures of Spider-Man? And J. Jonah Jameson does not break. Immediately, he's just like, I don't know. He gets sent in the mail. Like, he refuses to sell out Peter. And he would never sell out any of his people. And I think that's such a quintessential character trait that we don't ever actually, I think, I think see get repeated again. Um, that, that I remember loving at the time and seeing it again, really, really, really loving it. Um, and that's beyond everything else, right? Like, that's beyond his, his jokes about the meat. That's beyond him yelling at Ted Raimi, which is... What a yeah. what a great moment for Ted Raimi. Uh, we talk about Sam Raimiisms. Ted Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Lucy Lawless are definitely some you of got them. Got Jockster in here. Yeah. Yeah, Lucy Lawless is a great cameo as well. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, he's so great in this role, and his like just dickery towards Spider Man is amazing and spectacular, and just everything. Um, so like yeah, him coming back, like I'm obviously very very excited for that. Obviously, he's gonna be a very different character, but I think he just does such a good job in this role and really like humorous at the same time while being like just such a you know pos. <laughs> oh my god, he's great. I really wonder um what they're gonna do with him now that he's back. I real I really do wonder about that. Like it was great to have him in the cameo, but like as they like because I think that that is a it's an interesting point about. Like thinking about like Willem Dafoe in this movie, it being so context and tone dependent. And I wonder, does J. Jonah Jameson as played by J.K. Simmons tonally, is that going to fit comfortably in the MCU? Uh, and will any of these other like Sonyisms fit comfortably in the MCU if that's the direction that that movie is going in? Um, just makes me think like this movie is totally just like so drastically different well, uh, from, I think, from the Marvel Studios. I stuff. think what they're doing with him from what we've seen works though, right? Like it, he's sort of like now a, a Drudge Report type person like or Alex Jonesy. It's very different. It's a very different take on the character, but the character has kind of shifted and changed as well. In the Spider-Man video game that I sang the praises of last uh, last podcast, he's kind of like a disc jockey. Like he's there, you know, doing like podcasting like us basically um, and talking about Spider-Man in, in that context. So I think the character can evolve and change. We're definitely going to see a different version of him here, but I think if anyone's going to be able to pull it off and, and do this character uh, justice in the way that we want, it's going to be uh, J.K. Simmons. I think he can definitely do it. Um, but Jesus, just his entire <laughs> reach. Oh my God. I'll give you 200 for the set of them. <laughs> yeah. Sit back down. Yeah. So good. 300. He's so good. He's so good. I mean, you know, there's a lot in the acting that I think is, is solid. Um, we talk about those moments, like the emotional parts, I think with Willem Dafoe, I think do work really well. You know, um, Tobey Maguire, like I said, I think does a very, very good job, but there, there is a little stuff. And as much as I ragged on him, 
Um, I do think Aunt May is good, but I do think Uncle Ben was fantastic. Like, there's, I want to talk about a very specific scene Peter. Uh, and a reason, but Peter. when he's with him talking to him in the car, dude, like, it's a good moment when he does the the great power, great responsibility speech. Like, they do a great job with the emotion in that moment. Like, Peter yelling at him, I felt like felt very real. Like, uh, uh, the argument you really would just have with a relative and a loved one who's trying to help, but you feel like they don't really get it. And the, it makes the tragedy, yes, the, the, the reading of the Peter is hard, but it's also hard to fake dying, <laughs> I think, acting. No, um, I actually thought it was good. But, <laughs> it, it's, mem- it's memorable, it but I also feel like I like that they give him a moment that's like unglamorous. Yes. So it's like kind of like traumatic. It is. Uh, that that's like the final thing, like that, those are like the final gasps for life from this guy. Like, yeah, you're going to like it maybe helps you like buy into the fact that like peter's just gonna watch this other guy die yeah like he's you know like he's he's that mad also um just point of order uh ben if you just acted like a regular new yorker and circled the block as opposed to just sitting there the whole time you probably would have been fine but sure that's that's, that's another conversation that's, that's that's for later because i definitely want to talk about the new york things but you know the, the parts of this movie that work really do work um and and those are those are some of them that i think stick out really well does the action stand out to you um when it gets very cg heavy no but i do think the i mean the ending fight is something we should definitely talk about yeah let's talk about it right now um the ending we're not doing doing any final battle stuff so that's true that's very true so let's talk about that which will also be a good segue into the other thing we should talk about but um this final battle i think is fantastic it feels very ripped out from the comics certainly um him holding MJ over the bridge uh, in the comics. This is a scene with Gwen Stacy, who was the original uh, love of Peter Parker's life in the comic books. Um, it's a huge thing. He drops her and uh, Peter saves her by whipping his web. And there is a very big unspoken moment of was she dead or when he hit her, there's a snap. And did she, did she break her neck because of his web? Um, it's a huge thing, and and for a moment when we're in theaters and this was happening, I remember at the time being like, "Oh my god, are they about to do this?" Because it's such a quintessential moment. And of course they don't; they chicken out. It's very weird. Also, I will say the the like <laughs> the here are the kids and here is MJ. You have to save one of them, which gets ha- which happens in movies a lot. But Peter just handily saves both of them in a way, and it's sort of just like, why do this scene besides like drama? Um, I, I, I felt that's that again, plot wise and script wise, that didn't make sense, but whatever. Um, but that coming out of the comics, but when they actually get to like abandoned warehouse building thing that every place in New York apparently has, mm-hmm. that yeah, fight I think is great. I think there is a lot of emotion there. I think Peter's broken up mask is straight out from the, like, that is a thing that happens to Peter Parker in the comics. I think Toby, when he's, jumping and flipping around you do feel him like he's in danger like he he can die right here the the bomb explodes he gets hit a couple of all times the way he moves and the way he uses his webs just feel very spider-man and the same thing where he 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 has a moment where he's down and he gets back up again is so spider-man um and then he uses his webs to like pull the brick like there's just a lot in that moment and in that 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 fight scene that felt so good and so true to the character and the world and how he moves that it does stand very very high to me and might looking at just a spider-man movies there's a high possibility it might be the best fight scene in the spider-man verse um except into the spider-verse i guess which is a whole other thing but right. it's just really really well done and well executed that part of it like even you know the like godspeed spider-man part aside like the delivery whatever like 
there's just something so great about it and so personal and so physical. It felt like it felt like John McKay, like Spider-Man is supposed to be an everyman and you're supposed to feel like he's in danger. And it felt like that moment there in that fight scene at the end that there was a legitimate threat to Spider-Man uh, as he's fighting Green Goblin. Uh, I one of the underrated qualities about Sam Raimi as a filmmaker is um, his he, he knows his way around a soundscape. Um, I'll never forget watching Drag Me to Hell in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite theatrical experiences of all time. If you haven't seen Drag Me to Hell, you got to see it and ideally like watch it with like great studio headphones. It's gross as hell. So be warned. Um, but God, the sound design on that movie is uh, it's sublime. And the sound design in the final fight between Peter and Norman, because um, it's like devoid of music. It's just like the, the visceral, you know, you know, like knuckles into face, uh, you know, body through walls. Uh, you know, the, 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 the attempt at, at whipping some webs out only to get like crushed back down. Um, it's, it's really, really excellently done. And it, it's interesting because like it almost does not fit within the movie. Like it feels like it's a different movie. It does. It feels like a very, very good movie. <laughs> I would not have complained about this yeah. movie if it was all the way through. I don't think, you know, it just, it, well, you know, then we're getting into like super gritty reboot territory. I think we with, are, with, we are with that. Um, so like, I think part of maybe why it works is because it is such a contrast. Uh, it's because it's, it stands out so much that final fight. Um, I think it's a it's a real achievement in this movie, uh, like with no irony, with no like cackling maniacally uh, about the quality of Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man. Movie. Like, I think it's actually just like really exceptionally done. Uh, I really, really, really uh, love the way uh, love the way that they pulled that final battle off. And I do like how it ends in that, you know, that moment of Norman, you know, trying to use his glider to 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 to, to get Spidey and his spider sense goes off and he just backflips out of the way and Norman gets impaled with his own glider which is yeah, something and, from and the we, comics we all so yes in, in the so, groin by the way <laughs> yeah that's what we got it we you know like green <laughs> goblin nut shots himself to death yes he does <laughs> he i i mean like the the glider it just like there's no real like polite way of talking about this other than like he gets he gets stabbed in the crotch by his own glider correct <laughs> the, the the angle makes it very clear that the glider is not like impaled in his heart or even his stomach. Nope. Uh, it is. It is a below the belt shot without and question. He, and and then he dies. Yep. So cause of death is glider to the groin, or is it like the heart attack that follows from having been glidered to the groin? I think the heart attack that probably follows. Yeah. I mean, he certainly was beaten up already, but then like the shock of something like that happening would probably take take it a just, guy like, down. Couldn't survive that. He yeah. couldn't make it. He couldn't make it past. And in that. a movie very much about fathers and sons, I guess it's an appropriate way for someone like him I to suppose, go. <laughs> yeah, it's the end of his legacy. The uh, one objection, as I said, though, is is the don't tell Harry and the fact that Peter listens to that because that nonsense. Don't nonsense. tell Harry. <laughs> just why yeah. not tell him? Like don't tell Harry. <laughs> Um, oh god but it's yeah, so great it's, it's, a, it's a great it's a great fight scene it's a great moment I think it's super super strong and you're absolutely right about sound design I never thought about that but that is part of the thing I think that makes that scene so good is the sound design and the lack of music and, and just the visceral sounds that come out there um, this does segue into something else that, that we've been wanting to talk about here um, because uh, we've done this before in, in Daredevil when we used to do that uh, in a lot of other movies that take place in the good old New York City you and I are both New Yorkers Yes. And there are things that that movies do and TV shows do 
and we look at it and we're just like that is not new york or that is very new york yeah there are a couple of things i took a lot of notes about things that i feel like are are not new york i want to start with the big one because it is it is the one everyone talks about um, all right let's hear it the, uh, that <laughs> you mess with one of us you mess with you all mess, of us you mess with one of us you mess with all of us. Now that part is a lot. It's and it's too it, much. It's a lot. But I do think like a group of New Yorkers throwing shit at the Green Goblin who's just tried to like throw a bunch of people off the side of a bridge feels very real. To yes, me. I do think so. Here's here's a couple of things, right? Like if, as I understand, this scene was put in after nine eleven, um, which had, yeah. uh, happened uh, shortly before this. Um, and it was a unifying moment and I understand the power behind that and I totally get behind it. I have very like, you know, the feelings about like the unification after nine 11 and what that has led us to sure, in terms of some people. Podcast. That's a different podcast. That's a, I, I, yeah. That's a totally different I, show. I like, <laughs> I like, yes. I like the idea of New Yorkers coming together like that. That does feel very New York, right? And like throwing stuff at the green goblin. That part was fine. It's the line. It's having the character say, yeah, sure. like, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Which also, by the way, like, what if he's from Staten Island? Because I would not help that person. <laughs> like, yeah, I might not. I, I don't know. know. You know, maybe it depends on the situation. But yeah, there's a lot of like, um, like even like a, a, as a as a Brooklynite, I don't know that I would like go out of my way for someone from Manhattan. I don't know. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of like area stuff. Like I yeah. think, I think the our boroughs. Like I think your Bronx, your Queens, your Brooklyn will stick together. But like, when you hit them in Manhattan and Staten Island, we're like, man, Staten Island, especially. I don't know. I don't, don't know, know like, if I do it. So you guys can handle it yourselves, right? You yeah. know, like I do think that there's a piece of that. I gotta say, Kevin, that like the big New York moment that exists in this movie versus the big New York moment that exists in Spider-Man <laughs> Two, which we'll talk about next week. Yes. As far as which one is more realistic. There's no question to me that a bunch of New Yorkers throwing (laughs) junk at a bad guy. uh, That makes a lot more sense to me than a bunch of New Yorkers on the train being like, he's just a boy. Oh, yeah. You know, like that's just not going to happen. It's way more New York to get together and go rough someone up than it is to be like, we'll get together and keep a secret. (laughs) He's just a child. We'll never tell. No, that shit's going on Twitter and Twitter's not even invented yet. Um, I will say this though. Um, I do, I, I don't think that's the least New York thing. Like I said, I think there's a balance there. Do you know, like, as I'm watching what, what I saw and I was like, that is not, that is the, that is the worst New York thing. That is not accurate. Yeah. You- it's when, uh, Uncle Ben drives Peter Parker. Yes. <laughs> yes. Into New York City yes. from Queens. <laughs> he drives him to school from Queens, uh, drops him off. By uh, he's in this Midtown. The, that's the new, he's across the street he's from the New, New York, York Public, Public Library. Library. Like yeah. Bryant Park, like he's yeah, he's at Bryant Park. He's like uh, you know a block or two over from Times Square. He's like he, in the busiest part. And of he town. pulls over in the side <laughs> of the, the road. bus lane into the that's bus lane. Insanity. Insanity. And he parks it there to like have a heart to heart with Peter. No, there are so there are so many things about that that are wrong. Um, the pulling over into the, like, no one would dare, like, no one has the audacity to do that. No one's stupid enough to do that. You're not going to block the bus lane for that length of time. No. Like, that's insane. That's not something you're going to do. You're not going to pull over there. And you if you don't think like people shape, are going to double park somewhere, like that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, and you, and you certainly, even if you were that much of a jerk, Uncle Ben A isn't. And if he is, then I don't feel bad for what happened to him. Just kidding. I feel terrible. Uh, you know, if, if he had pulled in to the bus lane, then like the bus is going to show up. He's not going to have time to do this heart to heart. 
You no, know, someone's gonna come and honk at him. Honk go, hey, move they, it. Yeah, they would. That's another like that's another real New York thing. You want to have to pull go. over? You have a lot of. You should have people coming over, slamming on his hood, like, "Hey, move it!" Like, you gotta move, buddy. You gotta go. So that's not happening. No, he's gonna I, he's he's gonna pull. He's gonna pull <laughs> into like Forty First Street. And like pull to the side of the road, double park if he has to, park in front of a hydrant for a second if he needs to. Be like, look, let's talk for a second. He's not going to do it in the middle of Fifth Avenue. No, it's not happening. It's insane. That's not something that, that's not real. But the other piece of it that drives me insane is like Uncle Ben's not driving Peter Parker from Queens to the no. New York Public Library. Why He's would you take, do that? He's gonna take the seven. Which, take which the seven? That's another thing. Because like at one point Peter says, "I took two buses and a cab." No, you did not. No New Yorker is doing that. You're gonna get your ass on a train. Like nobody's taking that many buses and a cab to get from well, Queens to the city. If you're taking two buses, then you're not taking the cab. Yeah, you're definitely right. not taking the cab. Like you could take two buses and then like three stops on the four, five, six or something like that. But you're not taking two buses and then a taxi. That's just not something that you're going to do. It's it's um, absurd. It's I love it's that we both and, called and, and that part a, out. And it's too. upsetting. It's really upsetting. Yeah. It's really upsetting because it's 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 you know in this movie about a man who is bitten by a radioactive spider and overnight becomes a uh, superstar Spider Man. Uh, it's the most unrealistic thing that happens. In Absolutely, the and I love that we both call that <laughs> call that out particularly. Yeah, it's not. It's not even that's close. How you know. what's, the, what's the least New York thing that happens in the movie? That that and it's that. crazy. It's I crazy. do think the most New York things are two things I have written down. The one is literally Mary Jane's dad walking out at the beginning and just being like, you suck and you're terrible, Mary Jane. And then yeah. the other New Yorker is just like, yeah, whatever. Like, absolutely mm-hmm. accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's right. the talking head scene, I think, is a great showcase of New York. And just yeah, everyone's, I like that. He stinks and I don't like him. And like, just all the little bits and pieces they had there, the, sub, the person on the subway playing as you're walking down. Absolutely. Like that part, I think the talking heads is spot on New Yorkness right there. Um, but yeah, the Uncle Ben stuff is absurd. The two buses <laughs> in the cab is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, mixed bag on the uh, New York stuff in this two movie. Two in a cab. Get out of here. <laughs> Who are you trying to fool? Come on. All right. We're going to take a very quick break. We will be right back. We're going to get in some feedback and we got some stuff to write. Hang in there. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let's get into some feedback uh, here for Spider-Man. So as I mentioned, a uh, big sprawling essay from Riley. Uh, I'm going to read a bunch of it. You know Go what? For it. Riley, yeah. Riley writes an essay. Sometimes I want to read the Riley essay. I love you, Riley. I'm sorry I killed you in Among Us the other week. Uh, this is from Riley. Riley says, okay, so I love this movie. Like, love, love this movie. 
This was my favorite movie for a long time when I was a kid, and I have a ton of nostalgia baked into this movie, but I adore it and constantly rewatch it. I was six when this movie came out in 2002, and I became obsessed with Spider-Man because of it. And going back to it now, I still see why. This movie is so much fun, and it feels epic, and also personal, and emotional, and action-packed, and it feels like it has everything a Spider-Man movie should have. To me, this is the definitive Spider-Man origin story, and it absolutely nails the origin. I know now everyone talks about not rehashing the origin, and it's so played out, and no one needs to see Uncle Ben die for the hundredth time, and we were all happy when the MCU didn't do it, but that was because this movie nailed it so perfectly. There was no topping this Uncle Ben story, no topping this morality tale of with great power comes great responsibility, and the thief in the wrestling arena, I'm missing the part where that's my problem, it's fantastic. And Uncle Ben's death is heart-wrenching. Yes, it became played out, but it's because no other movie could top what this one did. And also, maybe this is a hot take now, but I absolutely love Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker here. I think he's perfect as Peter Parker. I think you can question how he is as Spider-Man, though I love his Spider-Man, and I think he especially nails Spider-Man when it's serious, uh, when he has his sp- serious Spider-Man moments. But there's no questioning how perfect he is as Peter Parker to me. There is this humble and earnest part of his portrayal to Peter Parker that just is that character. He truly feels like the everyman. He feels like you and me, the normal guy who gets granted these powers and tries to do good with them. His portrayal is so human and down to earth. He's so awkward and yeah, a bit of a goober and a geek, but that's Peter Parker to me. The everyman just trying to do his best no more, no, no matter how much he fumbles it. His portrayal encapsulated who Peter is to me. It's a quiet performance almost like what if a nerdy wallflower got these powers But there's this excitability once he has this powers, this genuine part of his portrayal when he's geeking out about Spider's defense mechanisms. We're talking about a play he saw MJ in when he was in first grade. I just love this performance. I love this Peter Parker. There's a warmth and a heart to Peter in every moment of this movie. And I love this awkward geek who feels so human that I relate to so hard that I have ever since I saw this movie in theaters when I was six years old. So that's the essay from Riley. I mean, again, I'm not going to take away any Passion. any any of his feelings on it. I I I I think there, there's a lot of great stuff. You know what I love about this movie? It's a movie people feel passionately about. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like, I don't feel passionately about the two like the 2000 X Men movie. You know? Oh, Joshua. <laughs> Do you feel passionately about it? Yes, X Men is my thing. Like you know, like like Spider Man. Like we've talked about, like Spider Man. A lot of people that's but their that's, fave. But the this X-Men's is a better movie thing. than that debatable <laughs> i think this is a better i think that this is a better we should just like watch x-men we're gonna have to um and i'm down for it because there's there's some great like x-men one x-men two first class um and days of future past i think are phenomenal and i there's some there's some there's some good ones in there but yeah. there's also some clunkers i think uh yeah run wise like you know if you if you do the over under i think the spider-man franchise and the x-men franchise are about equal playing field and what's good and what's bad um yeah. But like, yeah, I, I don't I'm not going to take away any of that stuff. I, you know, my problems, I think, are, are, are smaller and structural. I do think, you know, I, I agree with like I said, I agree with the, 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 the Tobey Maguire part of it. I do think he's very strong. I think that what Peter Parker and who Peter Parker is has changed in terms of like the dorkiness and the outside wallflower part. And that's different. Um, but I do think like his portrayal of it is it works really well. I do think in modern day, it's a bit different now because like a person sure. like that feels like less like charming and more just kind of like, oh, boy. Um, and so uh, there's that, I guess, whereas like Peter Parker now is just sort of like a, a charming goofball. And I think that is Tom Holland. I think that works really well for, for that character. 
Um, so, you know, uh, those parts are different. But again, it's it's the era. I think Tobey Maguire is a perfect representation of a specific era of Spider-Man. And he, and he fits that really, really well. Um, so, yeah, you know. This is from the great Professor Strunk. Uh, Strunk says, I don't think the importance of this film for the superhero genre can be overstated. And on a rewatch, it holds up. That said, what once was innovative now looks in hindsight formulaic, but only because maybe it invented that formula. I'll also say I can't tell if this movie is campy because the early aughts were campy or because in the early aughts, people thought superhero movies necessarily needed to be campy. It's a good question, too. I don't, I don't really know, uh, Kevin. Is this movie campy because, like, that was the time? Or is it campy because, like, there was, like, a mandate this should be a little campy? I think both. I think I think the yeah. time period definitely uh, lends itself to a, to a campiness, like we like we talked about, right? Um, I do think this movie did a lot in terms of re rebirthing the, the superhero genre. I do credit that to this and X Men um, as 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 doing the things that led us to where we are today. Um, I, I don't think it's the first. I mean, Batman still has that um, because I think the OG Timber and Batman follows this to a T, um, so it predates it. Uh, but I think, you know, this definitely helps give rise to to superheroes again um, and superheroes that that we weren't used to seeing. You know, we didn't have your X-Men and your Spider-Mans. We had your Batman and your Superman's and that's about it. So it was cool to to, to kind of have this be a gateway in, into 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 newer things. There are little things, too. Like we talk about the origin story on this. Like I, it's so like this. Speaking of the campiness, like something that doesn't exist today, they go to the to the lab at the beginning and like there's this like five minute six minute scene where the 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 professor lady is just kind of like um okay well you see this spider is able to jump and this yeah. one's able to do this like the like we don't do that now like you're like he has spider powers these are spider powers we accept it we move on we don't sit yeah. there and be like well that doesn't make sense but this movie goes out of its way to explain how his powers function and how they came from spiders and it's just like one of those things that totally exists for that time period um I I agree. I also love when it's just like uh spider sense. Like just yeah. like the way that <laughs> Oh god, I love this movie. Even just like talking about it more it just makes me love it even more. The the uh, rats had a side effect and that include insanity. How do you yeah. know when a rat has gone insane? It's <laughs> like, great. What is that? <laughs> it's so great. It's so 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 great. Uh, Todd the Librarian says I should probably give this movie 6 stars just for JK Simmons' J Jonah Jameson alone. While I don't feel the film captures the essence of many of the characters from the comics, it nails Triple J as the loudmouth jerk boss who nevertheless is willing to sacrifice himself rather than give up the name of one of his employees to a homicidal maniac. Every Daily Bugle scene is a masterpiece, especially with Hollywood actor Ted Raimi as the beleaguered Hoffman. Ted Raimi is so good. <laughs> He's really great. Jockster. Jockster to my yeah. So great. Uh, uh, Dallin Servo, who's uh, shouting out my guy, Willem Dafoe. Dallin says, Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin is one of the best supervillain castings ever. Willem Dafoe campaigned for the role, and it really shows how much he cared about the role by his incredible performance. The best villains in Spider-Man are always the ones that have a connection to him in real life. Peter and Norman are friendly in their real lives, and so their fight scenes have so much more weight to them. The Green Goblin has a clear motivation. He's not just a bad guy doing evil things. Green Goblin, he's one of my favorite villains. I love this character so much that I did that there's only one who can stop us. Monologue is my monologue in my grade 12 drama class. Incredible. Um, man, if that monologue is available online, I'm going to need to get myself uh, uh, a copy yeah, of that. Please, please send. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need someone to, yeah. 
if I had it in me, it's late right now, and my uh, I'm screaming a lot, so I, I can't do that monologue right now. But I'm really tempted to. Uh, all right, so this is a, the only feedback that we have about Mary Jane. Um, Kirsten Dunst says MJ is the freaking worst. Nothing like MJ should be in any way. Don't at me. This is from Brian F. Wow, that's that very straightforward. <laughs> is that is that too harsh, Kevin? I don't I don't think it's too harsh. Certainly, I, I I'm gonna talk about issues with MJ in two and three. Um, but I don't think MJ is that bad in this. I because here's the thing: like people got really mad about the new Spider Man movies and how they changed Mary Jane. But unfortunately, this is Mary Jane. Like unfortunately, there's not a lot to that character. Um, besides being like, I'm attractive and I want to be famous and I'm married to Spider-Man. It, it, she's, she, she's very just attached to Peter's world. And I think that, you know, in a modern context is problematic towards a female character, but I don't think she's that bad in it. Like people have problem with Kirsten Dunst and I could see sure. But I think for me, two and three is where it gets, it gets really bad. Um, and that's also per writing of the character. But two is super weird because I remember being like, my God, she feels like she's going to fall asleep at every minute in this movie. Like someone woke yeah. her up and she was just like, oh, let me let me read my lines. Um, yeah. But I don't think she's terrible in this. I think I think the character's problematic, uh, but I don't think she's bad. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I can't I can't agree with, with the with the acting portrayal. Is the character terrible? Yes. But <laughs> she sure, also sure, sure, sure. Uh, hey, there's a scene where Harry's just like, why don't you wear the black dress so I can impress my dad, which is a dick thing to say, but possibly probably would have been better than culturally appropriating that dress that she ended up wearing. So I think yeah. that's probably fair. I think that's fair. All right. Let's get in some rankings. Uh, this is from James L. Who said for the six star rankings here for Spider-Man. Would you consider calling them the Sinister Six rankings? And James, the answer is yes. Not only will we consider it, but we will do that officially. So these are our Sinister Six scores uh, that we are going to do here. We're scoring things on a scale of zero to six. You cool with that, Kevin? Yeah, that absolutely works for me. I think it makes sense, right? All right, so um, yeah, it should come as no surprise because we've already, through the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch, we already have tallied scores from Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, I think it should come as no surprise that those two movies are are not only going to remain the top two Spider-Man movies on the board, um, but are are going to be that by a pretty big clip. Uh, I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming is a 5.58 is our official score. Far From Home is a 5.17. I just don't think that that's going to get matched here by by uh, like I, I came into this thinking like this is the better Spider-Man movie for sure. And like it's it's so important and I'm so glad it exists. And it matters. This movie matters so much. Um, but it's like, it's in the same vein of like, uh, it's just, it's just clearly, it's just, it's inferior to those films. It's yeah. just, it's, as a movie, as a movie, it's just very clear. Agreed. Uh, it just, it just doesn't hold up to that. And again, it's 20 years old. There's a lot that's changed in movie making and style and, 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 and everything. So that it just doesn't hold up. So unfortunately, sorry, y'all. <laughs> In this, in the same way, but I, so I'm inclined to give this like a four out of six is like the score that I want to give it. Uh, like that's what I, what I think it, it truly deserves, but it's, it's similar to like my Iron Man logic of like history and nostalgia does give a little bit of a boost. So I'm going to give it a 0.5 bump. I'm going to give this a 4.5 out of six. 
You know I'm generous with my scores. You are, I, and you know that I don't agree with the <laughs> with that. That's I know, I I know you don't like that. I know you don't like that principle. But I like, don't. I also I also need to factor like if if you want me to chalk it up to something else too. So it's not just the history factor, but it's also how it made me feel. I loved watching this. I loved watching this this week. It made me feel so happy. I laughed so hard. I've already like I I'm like in active pain from laughing on this podcast right now. Like I. This movie really tickles me. And so, like, is it a flawed movie? Big time. Absolutely. Is it, is it like structurally and, uh, structurally weak? Is it like, is the plot a little thin? Yeah, for sure. Um, but it also has Randy Macho Man Savage's Bonesaw McGraw. It's got Norman Osborne. It's got Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin talking to himself in a mirror. Got J.K. And, like, Simmons. You got Bruce and, Campbell showing up. You had Octavia Spencer for a hot Octavia second. Octavia Spencer is <laughs> here for a second just to register Spider-Man yeah. as a wrestler. Like, there's some crazy shit going on in this movie, and it just made me feel good. So I'm going to give it that 4.5, and I'm not going to think twice about it. I'm agreeing in a lot of things you're saying but it just it for me i'm not giving it that low of a score guys i'm giving it a four i'm not giving it the 0.5 bump for legacy that you have i think that's fair as as we've mentioned i don't like doing that so for me it sticks at a four which is still pretty good pretty 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 good yeah, I think that's the a fair amount of pretties for that too. Yeah. Uh the 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 listeners higher than you, slightly lower than me, a 4.48 from the listeners gives it a 4.3 as it stands right now. So that is in third place. I'll be really curious to see how it stacks up to Spider-Man 2 next week. Um I remember Spider-Man 2 being a superior film, so I'm really the superior oh, Spider-Man that, if you will. I know that that's the the popular consensus and I've always held what may be considered like the contrarian point of view that this was the movie that I, I thought was, was better. Um, I haven't like had to like investigate that in a long (laughs) time. Um, but I certainly like never like held that position from like a contrarian standpoint. Like I always authentically felt it. I always authentically felt that this was the better movie of the two movies. Will I still feel that way next week? I really don't know. I actually currently think that I'm not going to feel that way. Um, like I'm prepared to think I'm prepared to walk away from Spider-Man Two, conceding that it's the better movie. Uh, someone's got to concede around here. I think All right, structurally, it probably is. Let's Does, do our sinister six. Doesn't have Norman six. Osborn though. Let's oh wait, our sinister, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does, buddy. Let's do our sinister six villain rankings. Um, yeah, Norman Osborn. I'm gonna give him a perfect six. That's super high. I, I, I'm I, not. I'm not. I'm not backing down here. He I'm is, not gonna uh, convince you to. It's fine. I, I can't. I, I can't. I can't help myself. I I, what I am I supposed to do? He's just. But, he's just one of my favorite movie characters ever. I don't want you to grab me and throw me into some lab equipment and forget. I'm not that you going murdered to. Me, so yeah. I, I won't. I'm fight gonna you. drink the. I'm drinking the Kool Aid and then I'm throwing the glass bottle in which the kool-aid came onto the Somebody ground has for to clean no, that up what a dick for move no reason before he yeah, well, even becomes fully evil <laughs> someone's gonna have to clean up a lot more than just that bottle true, I think that very bottle's true. getting looked over there's more pressing matters to con- consider uh i'm not going as high as a six i give him a five which is quite high honestly and a lot of that is carried by willem dafoe and i think the 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 overall high concept of Norman as a villain, I think, really works. If they had portrayed Peter and Harry as closer friends, um, I think the idea of the father figure being the villain is great. I mean, that's what makes Green Goblin, I think, a strong Spider-Man villain in the comics. I just think that they didn't do enough to like really sell that here. And also the threat at the end that he proposes, the choice, you know, he attacks Aunt May, okay. 
and to do what just to put her in the hospital i feel like he could have done a lot more um and that choice between the kids and mary jane was very odd and it didn't really i think fit but the ending fight scene is great so i'm gonna stick with the five i think it's a fair rating for someone who literally willem dafoe carried the entire character <laughs> for the movie <laughs> Uh, he's of the three villains we've encountered so far. We've encountered the Vulture in Homecoming, Mysterio in Far From Home, now Green Goblin, who started it all here in Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man. Uh, he's rounding us out, though, uh, as hard as, I, as I'm as i willing him to be higher. But it's competitive. Uh, Mysterio nets out as a 5.26, Norman Osborn a 5.2. It's not far With a few off. more scores, who knows? You know, these are shifting targets. It's true. Maybe he, he could someone, he could find a way. He gonna, could sneak in. Someone's gonna pumpkin bomb the Sinister Six scores <laughs> with sixes for my guy Norman. And they're gonna they're gonna put him over the top. Let's talk Spidey suits. Um so I'm gonna give the classic red and blue suit here uh a four and a half as well. Yeah. Um I I think like it it you know you needed to get this right in order to have the movie work in any level. And it's, it's exactly what it needed to be for a first effort. I think that's true. I think, you know, it's so crazy. Cause I remember really liking the suit at the time because it was just like, Oh yeah, we, we didn't really have one. Um, but I do like now seeing all the other suits that have existed, it does stick out a little bit worse to me. And I think, you know, for me, I give it a 4.5 as well, but I honestly, I can easily tell you what it is. And it's the silver. Like the silver on the suit just doesn't work for me. I think I, think, I agree. I think it just really is. It was a bad aesthetic choice, but this was a time period where the X Men had to wear all black spandex, so or all it's black leather. It's such a it's so. like the arc of improvement again. Yeah. You know, of like from from like them like even making jokes about wearing yellow spandex to this yeah. is uh, you know huge. Yeah. So four point five. I think it's a fair thing for this. It's it's not as high as some of the other suits we've seen. That's for sure. Because I I just really liked the designs from the other films. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the, the human spider DIY wrestler costume, which that I uh, loved. <laughs> I know you, you gave that a five. I did. I, see. I did. Uh, I did. I, I'm going to dive in this same, and just be like, I did <laughs> the same, the same like biased stuff. Like I have to get, I have to give it lower. I can't, I can't put it higher than a three is the highest that I can go. Cause I want to love it so much more, but it's that one dumb CG scene where he's just like standing on top. <laughs> He looks so stupid. I can't believe that they tried to pull that off. You, once you see it, you'll never be able to unsee it. This is like the lips like, thing with you. This is the lips and the and the de aging thing. I don't see it as, as hard it's as the you. eyes. It's the eyes, man. He's a video game character. I, maybe He's you don't like real. faces. You don't like faces, Josh. I think that's your problem. I love. The, I love a face. <laughs> no one. I, I, no one can tell me that I don't love a face. I love a good face, even a bad face. But it's got to be like a human head, and this ain't it. This ain't that. Uh, <laughs> what a weird thing to say. Uh, so here are the rankings of the suits so far. Um, classic homecoming suit is number one with a bullet, 5.53. Uh, the homecoming DIY Spider-Man suit is a 5.25. Red and black from far from home is a 4.72. So that's in third place. And the classic red and blue from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man comes in fourth place right now, 4.69, which is the head of the night monkey suit, uh, which is a 4.43 and five. And the Iron Spider suit, I'm surprised it's as low as it is, but I guess maybe not. Um, a 4.06, uh, and then the DIY Human Spider is uh, bringing up the rear here with a 3.98. Yeah, I mean, I think that 3.98 was affected by one Josh Wiggler, but that's fine. Um, I do I think, think the likely. Iron Spider suit doesn't rank as high because it's not a Spider-Man suit, it's an Iron Man suit. 
So it's I an, think it's, you know it's an Iron Man design mm-hmm. Spider Man suit. Yeah. Even though I mean that's the Homecoming suit as well, Stark Industries. That's different. One is more Iron Why? Man than the Spider Man. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, ranking the Spider Men themselves. Yes. Uh, yes. so Kevin and I were talking before we got on here and so of course like your rankings are going to be very subjective it's just however you want to rank the Spider-Man in the movie for whatever criteria whether it's the acting whether it's the actions of Spider-Man within the movie whatever it is that, that's working for you Um, and in the case of like multiple appearances like Tobey Maguire is up for rating this week next week and the week after Um, we will when we get to the end of Spider-Man 3 what we're going to do is we will we will round up all of those scores. We'll like average out the final score for the three different Tobey Maguire performances, and that will stand as one Tobey Maguire data point on the Spider-Man rankings, rather than like having like three different Tobey Maguires on here. So as it currently stands, um, we are just to spoil it. We are all very consistent across the board on this, Kevin. You're yeah. a four. I'm a four. The audience is a four point one. It's a four point oh three overall for Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, except for one problem. As we've, as we've talked about this movie and as we've talked about Toby and as Philly or uh, not Philly, sorry, Riley has talked about Toby. I'm going to bump him up to a 4.5 in this movie. Wow. I do think Kevin. there is a lot to him that works really well. And I do think the, the unfortunate parts. That's not a huge problem. With the That's casting. kind. That's nice. Yeah. I like it. I but like I, it when you're, he's, when your Grinch heart grows. Yeah, a few he, he does a really good job. It's so weird because it's so hard to fully, fully pinpoint all the things where it's just like, why isn't he quite there? Because there's so much that, that Kevin, does work. I'm going to follow you on this. I feel, I feel inspired. Let's bump <laughs> him up. Let's come on, Spider Man. Yeah, come, come on, on Peter. Oh, that's a, diff- that's a different one. That's a different guy. That's a different one. All right, so I'll give him a 4.5 also. So the audience is still giving him a 4.1, but now the total average is a 4.4. Yeah. Uh, so he's got a fighting shot. Uh, no, he doesn't. Tom Holland averages out for a 5.76. He, he does not be, have a chance against Tom Holland. It's going to be Andrew he's Garfield. He's going to be the number one Spider Man. I mean, I don't know why we're doing this. It's kind of a fruitless exercise. He, does, he deserves just a little Spider-Man. bit better. <laughs> you know, it's going to be Tom Holland, Tom, uh, Toby McGuire, and Andrew Garfield. And then a, a whole bunch of Into the Spider Verse Spider Men in between. Um, We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's a very good chance that people from Into the Spider Verse are gonna are gonna be at the top of this list. I think that's of exactly course. what's gonna Absolutely. happen. <laughs> Absolutely, I think Rightfully that's so. very much possible. Uh, all right, the continuing adventures of Tobey Maguire, ahem, continue next week as we are going to be swinging into Spider-Man Two. Kevin, I am so thrilled to be in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man era right now. This is so much fun. I, I me too. There, there is two things I did want to hit on before we before we fully wrap up. Um, sure, let's do it. The first is actually that's a good th- that's a good call out because like this is a thing I was very curious about going in because of the the Sam Raimi versus Spider Man the era of Spider Man. I remember when I first saw this the very the ending of this movie where he's talking to MJ in the cemetery is such a huge and big moment. And I remember when I was younger, really really liking it and really liking that moment because it felt so Peter Parker. It felt so Spider Man. The responsibility versus you know what you want. Um, and I, I, I was curious going back in because the idea of secret identities, the idea of, of making these decisions, I think has changed drastically in terms of how I look at them and how I, how I treat these ideas. And so going in, I was very curious where, where I was going to land. And honestly, I think the ending still like I think when he makes a decision that he's just like, I can't be with you because of the Spider-Man thing. I think that's really, really strong. I think that's really good. I think that's still very solid um especially because like he's not revealing his identity it's okay for him to be like no we can't be together 
the part that unfortunately does hook me is where he's just like, we will all, I will always be your friend. And it's like, no, because that's still the same problem. Like to me, like that's the issue is that if you're so friends with these people, you're going to put them in danger by being Spider-Man. Like if he had cult, like if he had just completely been like, I, we just can't be friends anymore. Even that's hardcore and like heartbreaking, but would have felt more at least right as the right thing to do as a person. I feel like this is where the secret identity stuff hooks in. So I'm just curious as to your thought on that, because like, I don't know. That's my like secret identity was such a big part of me growing up like that idea of it. Right. And I feel like it's changed so much about like you're 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 kind of a dick for not telling your loved ones that you're Spider-Man, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it's also a trust thing. How much does he trust these people? And uh, there's not a lot of people that Peter Parker trusts. this version of Peter Parker, too, I think is actually pretty emotionally stunted. Um, That's fair. And. And I like on a serious note, and and I think like you know he's dealing with a best friend who, as you very funnily noted earlier, like they have to tell us that they're best friends because like their actions don't really bear it out, nice. and they live in the beautiful loft together. Uh, and I, I don't like I don't I don't see the world in which he really wants to talk to Harry about it because Harry's keeping secrets from him. He's not telling him about MJ. Um, MJ's never really super forthcoming with Peter either. Um, he's barely, it's a miracle that he's like even talking to Mary Jane anymore, you know, that this is happening, that they're like friends now, uh, it's a very far cry from like the lifelong, uh, you know, boy lives next door worship that he's, he's had towards her. Um, and I think that he's very, very clearly like messed up from what happened to uncle Ben. So for him to not have like been more forthcoming and then like also to find out on top of all of this how close to home some of this stuff is that the green goblin, the guy who just like terrorized the whole city and like killed a bunch of people is his best friend's dad. And he watched him die. You know, he's dealing with a lot right now. I think he's dealing with a lot right now. And probably really what he needs is a therapist. That's who he needs. (laughs) He needs a therapist who he can say, yo, I'm Spider-Man and I got to talk about it. Doc Samson somewhere, right? He can, he can call it Doc Samson. I think Uh, uh, they, the rights is an issue. Yeah, probably Um, not anymore. But yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. And I do think it would be good. And I think, you know, going into Spider-Man 2 is going to be interesting to see that. Like, I think he is a little bit more distant from the two of them. And I think that's the right call. Because I think once you're close, like if you stay too close to them is where it becomes unfair. But you're right. Where he leaves off here, he's not exactly super close to them. And he does have trust issues. So he doesn't, I think, I'm not saying he has to reveal his identity. Um, but yeah, it, that you've actually made it a little bit better just from talking about this. Um, the last thing I did want to point out is a, is an interesting behind the scenes fact. Which is that um, uh, in the scene where it's the parade and there's the giant attack on the city where Norman Osborn first shows up, the uh, young boy that Peter Parker saves is actually a young Tony Stark. <laughs> yes! Oh, we'll meet again, Tony Stark! <laughs> I just had to bring... I, as soon as I saw that moment, I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to bring this up because <laughs> if you're trying to get me to, to disagree with you, 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 uh, you're talking to the wrong guy. Not disagreeing. Just pointing again how stupid that is. <laughs> yeah. Josh Wiggler believes that that is, I mean, that's not, listen, yeah, that's stupid as like a funny <laughs> joke, but like, there's actual plausibility to Iron Man 2 kid being Spider-Man. Nonsense. You know, it's about, <laughs> it times out. He's about the same age. Mm-hmm. he's in queens that's where the fair is we're not doing this it makes a lot of sense to be honest like the more i think about it the more i think it makes sense 
uh, that was their uh, teacher Peter at the Parker beginning the same teacher because JB Smoove in, in the new one is their science teacher, right? Is he their science teacher? I'm I'm trying to remember like what 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 uh, I don't know. The only thing that I remember about him is uh, witchcraft. I'm doing my best, Julius. <laughs> I'm doing my best, yeah. Julius. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no, um, unbelievable. All right. Well, before we log out, want to want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors for this episode. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions. No fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in. Watch free. Next week, Kevin, we will be watching Spider-Man 2. That's coming up. Uh, of course, plenty of other podcasting happening, both with you and I and Latanya Starks on Mando. Before we talk Spider-Man 2, we will be talking about Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 4. We'll catch up on your takes from Season 2, Episode 3. Uh, Kevin, as well, really looking forward to hearing what you thought about that and where you're at with Mando Season 2 overall. And of course, if you uh, liked what Kevin Latanya and myself had to say about Lovecraft Country all season long, we finally released our season finale recap of Lovecraft Country. Put that to bed. That is out in the feed as it currently stands. If you've got more that you want to talk to us about, well, hey, we got an email address for that. Super at postshowrecaps.com. That's the best way to get your feedback in. But you know what's another really cool way to get your feedback in and get direct feedback from us is by signing up for the Patreon. Patreon.com slash recaps. Sign up at the Discord level and come hang out with Kevin Mahadeo and myself and several other really funny, amazing people and talk about all these movies and all of these shows and all the things that you're enjoying. And sometimes you can even talk about snacks and uh, virtual vacations that were going on as a community because that's the day and age we live in. It's a really great time. I recommend it. Patreon.com slash recaps. Support your podcasters. You know, if you, if you like what we're doing, just come and say hey, you know, with like five bucks a month. That feels like a great way to say hi. Uh, it's, uh, it's up to you. You know, no pressure. A little pressure, but not a ton. Uh, Kevin, what else is up? Um, not too much. I think that's a pretty good um, summary. That's it? Um, All right. Well, I think yeah. uh, on that note, then. Let's shout out at Kev Mahadeo on Twitter. I'm at Round Howard. And to close us out, let's throw it to Nickelback. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.